Hello, and welcome to the first podcast of calendar year 2023. This is a Redheaded Preacher podcast. I am the Redheaded Preacher by the grace of God. I'm the pastor at St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois, a major suburb of a major city of the United States. And yet we are not, um, you know, this massive congregation with auditorium seating. Uh, we are a faithful congregation that gathers at the corner of Oakton Street, a main drag, and Laramie Avenue, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If you are ever in the vicinity of Oakton Street and Laramie Avenue <clears throat> on Sunday morning around 10 a.m., please come on in and worship with us. This is recorded a few days after, meaning my intro, is recorded a few days after New Year's Day. And that's fine because actually the sermon itself preached on New Year's Day is not about the normal things we think about when we start a new calendar year. No, as and the sermon starts off this way. Excuse me, it's a homily. I kept it briefer. Uh, the homily starts out acknowledging that, that I would have loved to have start, uh, the, I'd love to have preached a, a message about turning the page and, you know, fresh suggestions and directions. But I had to deal with our scripture reading in Matthew, Matthew 2, verses 13 through 23. And so the message title is Herod. Talk about Herod and his goon squads and why he thought he needed to massacre these children and how there are still some of those people and that spirit in our world. Refugees as the Holy Family uh, was a refugee family in Egypt. And may that affect some of the ways we think about refugees. And lastly, Rachel. Rachel weeping for her children because they were no more. Something that is uh, brought up by Matthew, but he's quoting from Jeremiah. So we spend a little time with that and to see how our tears may join with Rachel's whenever they are about the vulnerable and the victimized being hurt by others. So, our, uh, those are the scriptures, uh, Isaiah 63 and Matthew 2, and uh, I thank you for tuning in and listening to the first message of the season at St. Peter's and from the Redheaded Preacher. So without further ado, let's join the service. I would have loved to start 2023 with an uplifting message about turning the page, starting afresh, and even suggesting some possible plans for St. Peter's and the new calendar year. But when you have a passage like Matthew, it cannot be denied. As I do not think I've ever preached on this, hard to imagine, but I don't remember preaching on this. I also figured it was about time. It occurred to me that the Magi who we'll hear more about next Sunday, I imagine, as it, we will mark Epiphany. It occurred to me that the Magi were not perhaps as wise as we give them credit. All this horror that we hear about from Matthew could have been avoided if, when they had stopped at Herod's court to ask for directions under the star, they had, that they, and then when they had stopped at, and, and met with Herod and his advisors, that they had chosen other words than these. Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? We have come to pay him homage. Not such a great idea to mention to a king that they're en route 
to pay homage to another king who, like Herod, would also rule the Jewish people. Spectacular celestial events, like the Star of Bethlehem, were believed to be signs of something significant happening on earth, like the birth of a future ruler or a death or something like that. There were other things such a star could indicate. But no, they told Herod they were on the way to visit a probable rival to the throne that his family held. Wise? Not so much. TMI. But what can you do? The Magi were very important in other ways, including in this story. So when the Magi, obeying their own dream to return to their country by another road, did not return to Herod as he'd asked, so he could learn the exact location of Jesus, that I too may go and pay him homage. Yeah, right. When he found out and he figured out they're not coming back like I asked them to, he blew a gasket. The Bible uses the word infuriated. He figured out that by now the new king of the Jews could be as old as two. As we know, he commanded death squads to go to Bethlehem and kill all the children there who were two years old and younger, figuring that would eliminate this child once and for all, preserving the political health of his family. Because he was not that. He was kind of advanced in years, so he knew he wasn't really protecting himself, but his sons and grandsons, perhaps. So fear, of course, was his motive for this horrible slaughter. Fear of losing his family's long-expected expected long-term claim on the throne. That was his political agenda. And to achieve this agenda for continued family power, which also involved greed for any financial gain which accrued for being king of this region under the empire, well, that meant he had to ensure that the child king of the Jews died. The massacre of Jewish babies and children at the hands of the murderous hit squads meant nothing to him, as long as it kept the Herods in charge. Cruelty, selfishness, and heartlessness were revealed as the blood flowed and the screams were raised up to the ears of God. Children victimized by adults lusting for personal power. Jewish children. It did not end with Herod. Young ones pay the price in every war, street conflict, every violent nation, including sea changes as a result of the climate crisis, ignored by some of the powerful who value profits over planet. We know about the suffering of children who were separated from their parents at our southern border at the slave auctions 200 years ago. Children who were in the wrong place when a high-powered drive-by came down their street. We know about the deaths of children in the Middle East and in Ukraine because Putin has to dominate and destroy in order to quiet his own political, geopolitical fears and thirst for more power. We do not need me, you don't need me to stand here in the pulpit and say, this is evil. No. Dale Frederick Bruner, a commentator, said of such people, 
Those who begin by hating the child will end up by hurting children. Hating revelation leads to hurting people. If people will be ungodly, they will be inhumane. Wherever God is resisted, humanity is attacked. Herod, the refugees. When CMA Cluster One met a few months ago, a representative from Exodus World Service, a refugee assistance organization, defined the differences between various groups of people who have left their homeland, because they can't all be categorized under one label. Refugees, for example, had no choice but to flee elsewhere due to famine, natural disaster, war, or threats to their lives. Of recent memory are the Syrian refugees. The blankets we help to buy when the Women's Guild holds its annual Blanket Sunday offering usually end up in the hands of refugees, victims of horrible circumstances that make them leave their homes and maybe never return. Now, honestly, we may not always react kindly to the word refugee or to hearing about their status of great need, but I trust that our faith challenges these reactions if they are ours. I trust that particularly when we remember that our Lord and Savior was himself a child refugee in Egypt, thanks to Herod's plan to kill him. Jesus, Joseph, and Mary were refugees in Egypt, and there's no evidence that they had any family there to help take care of them, to receive them, or that there was governmental structures in place to take care of them in any way. I mentioned the importance of the Magi, and it is in Egypt that they may have had to make use, the Holy Family may have had to make use of the gold they were given to be able to buy stuff and be able to live. Maybe the other gifts were sold to provide shelter and sustenance too. Of course I do not deny their symbolic theological value, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but as we do not hear about these gifts again, Maybe the gifts were providential and pragmatic. As the Son of God was a refugee, perhaps for several years, God knows through Jesus what it's like to have to leave home under a threat of death. In faith, the incarnation was that all over. Philippians reminds us that although Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as something to be exploited or something to grasp, but, Paul wrote, he emptied himself, being born in human likeness, and he ended up on the cross. He was sent from heaven to accomplish God's plan of salvation and inaugurating the reign of God. So then you could say that Jesus was a refugee on earth. And Jesus' life was often in danger, especially near the end. And so even after he returned to Israel as a kid, he was hunted one way or another and would be. Because Emmanuel, God is with us, has experienced being a refugee. I think it's fair to say that God has a real heart for refugees, and if God does, we, God's children, can as well and and should as well.
Herod, refugees, and Rachel. Rachel was one of the matriarchs of early Israel, one of the wives of Jacob, the one who bore him Joseph and Benjamin. She died in childbirth with Benjamin, and the name in Hebrew, Benjamin, means son of my sorrow. You'll remember Andre reading from Matthew, where in a quote from Jeremiah, she is invoked after the slaughter of the innocents. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel, weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled, for they were no more. This is seen as a fulfillment of prophecy from Jeremiah. And so I looked it up in Jeremiah. It's in chapter 31, verse 15. And the quote in Matthew is basically identical to what Jeremiah says. So what was the setting in Jeremiah? Was there another slaughter of the innocents? No. Israel was, though, going through a national tragedy. In 726 B.C., Assyria conquered the northern kingdom and within a few years transported most of those Israelites away to Assyrian lands. They repopulated them. That's what Assyria did. And remember to the Israelites, the land, a gift from God, where they were, that was their land. God had set aside for them. They're taken off, they're taken off it. They become the 10 lost tribes of Israel. But I'm, I'm starting to, to divert. Except this horrible thing was happening in Ramah, was believed to be the place where a lot of them, basically these conquered northern kingdom Jews, were gathered and and sent into exile by Assyria. It was the site of national tragedy. And Rachel was believed to have been buried in or around Bethlehem. So Rachel was believed by Jeremiah to have wept for those people and those children, when the Jews of Judea conquered, Jews of Judea conquered by Babylon, the Jews of, his, Jews of the northern parts conquered by Assyria, were sent away. And here is, you know, this echo now in Bethlehem that she is invoked as weeping over this tragedy. She wept over her son when she was dying, presumably. And then she was believed to have been weeping at the exile of, these, of, their, of her people. And now she is weeping for the massacre of Jewish babies by Herod. Now, Dr. Bruner, who I quoted earlier, wrote, <clears throat> Matthew finds in the Hebrew scriptures a sign of the meaning of the recent tragedy in Bethlehem. Not a sign that solves, but a sign that sympathizes Matthew's Jeremiah sign sympathizes with the tragedy of the the innocents, not by saying cheaply, it's not so bad, but by saying Rachel too weeps. As she did, he continued, at the exile of her descendants to Assyria and Babylon, she now weeps again at this Herodian slaughter. And the Jewish people have this concept about the past and memory that when certain things are commemorated in the present like the Passover 
They believe that in some way they are present with their ancestors who went through that then and they with them in the present. And here's another example of a past long-dead matriarch who died in childbirth weeping over the pains of other partings and other deaths. Partings, division, ultimately death. So Matthew offers sympathy, solidarity, even across time and mystery, but not a solution. Now, our last hymn, which we'll sing after communion, takes this on. In her meditation that accompanies the text, in her book that has this, Carolyn Winfrey Gillette connects Rachel's lament to all tears shed for all kinds of hurt done in and to the world. Carolyn writes, As pastors for many years, Bruce and I have heard Rachel weeping time and again. A parent and child are separated by the immigration system, by the foster care system, by anger and revenge within a troubled family, and Rachel weeps, and the child weeps too. We hear in the news about countless past deaths of children at indigenous boarding schools. We read the history of the redlining of communities by real estate agents who would not sell homes to black people in certain neighborhoods, preventing black families from developing generational wealth. Then we hear of school boards and states ordering teachers not to teach parts of history because they might make children uncomfortable and Rachel weeps that her pain cannot even be acknowledged. And I might add that today is the 100th anniversary of the Rosalind Massacre in Florida. Kind of like Tulsa, not quite as huge because the town was not as big, but it was the same kind of thing of white on black genocide. So what do we do? She replies, we start by welcoming Jesus, God with us, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. We welcome Jesus, who grew up to be the good shepherd who calls each one of us by name. We welcome Jesus, who taught us about a changing world and who trusted God to bring in God's reign. We walk with Jesus. Once we know the promise that Jesus walks with us, then what do we do? We pay attention to the people around us as a way of loving God and loving our neighbors. We work on the big problems in society by breaking them down into manageable pieces. We work with other people to build communities of trust and compassion. We let Jesus change us. And I'll leave the quote for a moment there. Protests which irritate or infuriate often are to get our attention, and she talked about paying attention to the people around us, sometimes protests are designed to get our attention to the issues that cause or perpetuate racial or economic injustice, the climate crisis, and more. Back to Carolyn, one line. She says, when we notice the people around us, we will notice their hurts and we will weep for them. Those tears of Rachel shed also for refugees, 
and our tears, perhaps, aligned with those of Rachel, move us to love our neighbors and try to act on their behalf, our behalf too, even more, because we notice their hurts and we act to bring healing. That's good news for the people of God and for the world. Amen. Many thanks for tuning in to this edition of the podcast. Um, I hope that you found this uh, <clears throat> the message uplifting and thought-provoking. I enjoyed preaching it. Um, and I, some of you may not be aware that uh, Carolyn Winfrey Gillette, uh, whom I quoted from extensively at the end of the message, she and I went to seminary together. Technically, we were not classmates, but her husband now, and but not at the time, <clears throat> husband was, was my classmate, Bruce Gillette. They're both Presbyterian pastors right now in the uh, state of New York, and we are, we've been friends ever since. Carolyn and Bruce did get married before they were out of seminary, uh, actually, and Carolyn has published books, um, if you're interested in learning more, and there are books of hymn lyrics, which are uh, our congregation uh, takes full advantage uh, of, the, of, of her gifts, and, uh, and I've bought her books. Um, so, anyway, that's a little bit about Carolyn, from whom I quoted, and uh, from whom I always learn and receive uh, you know, pastoral empathy to share with others. Next week, January 8th, is not only the scriptures talking about the baptism of Christ, We'll also hear about the visit of the Magi. We'll celebrate Epiphany two days later. And uh, there's also going to be a baptism in the service prior to my preaching the homily. So we've got the baptism of Christ and the baptism of a baby boy. And so when you hear me preach next week, if you uh, do tune in, <clears throat> Uh, here's a little heads up that I'll be talking about that fact that, uh, yes, Christ was baptized. And, 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 and look, we also baptized uh, a, a, a new baby boy, and uh, I will be addressing him or his parents from time to time in that message. So now you know that's where that's coming from. Thanks again. May God bless you this new year, including may God bless you this week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Redheaded Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.